2 Corinthians chapter 8. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. And um, we're going to read uh, five verses. I'm in the wrong spot. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Five verses. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Are you there? All right, verse 1 through 5 reads this way. It says, Moreover, brethren, we make known to you the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia that in a great trial of affliction the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded in the riches of their liberality. For I bear witness that according to their ability, yes, and beyond their ability, they were freely willing, imploring us with much urgency that we should receive the gift and the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. And not only as we had hoped, but they first gave themselves to the Lord and then to us by the will of God. Again, verse 3 says, for I bear witness that according to their ability, yes, and beyond their ability, they were freely willing. Tonight I want to talk on the subject, living beyond your ability, living beyond your Ability. Father God, tonight we thank you for the word of, that we're about to receive. I thank you for the anointing upon me and these lips of clay. I ask you, Father, to give me divine utterance that I may speak the things that I hear from, your, from heaven, that I may do the things, Lord, through divine unction that you lead me to do. And I pray that your people have hearing ears and seeing eyes and receiving hearts. And I pray that the ground that the seed falls on is good ground. It will produce the harvest in our lives that you sent it to produce. We pray, we, we believe it done. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen and amen. All right, living beyond your ability. Now, you remember we've been talking from 2 Corinthians chapter 8, uh, I'm, rather, I'm sorry, from Genesis chapter 1, 26 and uh, 27, 28 last week, where the Bible says that God made male and female in his image, and it said that God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. He said, uh, subdue and have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and all the creeping things that, you know, the beasts of the field and so forth. So God gave man this mandate to, um, to produce, this mandate to produce. Remember when God made Adam and Eve, he put them in the Garden of Eden. The Garden of Eden was a replica of heaven, right? And we know it because the tree of, of, of knowledge of good and evil, the tree of, of life, when, when the midst of the garden, you're going to see that same thing in the, in the end time. Okay, it's a replica of heaven. But the whole earth was not. And God gave Adam and Eve the mandate to, to replicate Eden, heaven, on the rest of the earth. So he gave them something called the blessing. He blessed them and he said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, subdue and have dominion. Are y'all with me? And then I talked to you last week about uh, in, in the blessing, God releases something called grace. Now, I want to go and give you something. I gave this definition, uh, another, another definition I've given you before, uh, but I, I just expanded it. That the blessing is the power of God given to men to produce heaven on earth. The blessing is the power of God given to men to produce heaven on earth. Can you say it? Say it. Go. The blessing is... Now change it from men to me. Ready, go. The blessing is the power of God given to me to produce heaven. Say, I'm blessed. 
So God gives me the power to produce heaven on earth. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You're walking around with power to produce heaven on earth. You, and you deal with your region, you deal with your territory, whatever God uh, has assigned you to. Remember I talked last week about you and I being regent kings. You remember that? And how God has assigned territories to us. He's assigned uh, divisions, if you call it, precincts to us. And so as leaders and directors or overseers of those precincts, we are commanded to reproduce heaven on earth in the area that he gives us. When Nehemiah and the, and the children of Judah, when they went back to rebuild uh, Jerusalem, they rebuilt the wall. The Bible says every man built in front of his own house. They completed the wall because every man built in front of his own house. Do y'all remember that? So if I would take everything in my neighborhood and everything in my territory, and you take everything in your neighborhood and everything in your territory, if you, if you would help in your house and your family and your generation, if we all do that and we all connect together, it'll look like heaven all over the earth if we all deal with our own assigned territories. So God blessed him, and he said to him, to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue, and have dominion. And then I told you this, that the blessing release is something called grace. Y'all got it? The blessing release is something called grace, that grace is the divine enablement or the ability of God. It's the divine enablement or the ability of God. Now, that's big. That's big because when you have grace, grace turns what was impossible into a possibility. Are you catching this? Grace turns what was impossible into a possibility. You might want to record that in your memory bank or write it down. Grace turns what was impossible into a possibility. How in the world could, could Adam uh, do what God called him to do without God releasing something on him? How could Adam name all the animals without God giving him some sort of ability? Without him going to Florida A&M or North Carolina A&T or Texas A&M. No agricultural training in the world. No, no, no zoological training in the world. And yet he's going to name all the animals. Why? Because God released something on him and what God released and put on him the blessing which released grace enabled him to do something that he could not do on his own. And if that's how God operated with that man, it's the same way with you, man. And you, woman. Y'all got it? So God has given us the blessing and it releases something called grace. Okay? Grace turns impossibilities into possibilities. Grace, uh, you remember in Genesis 26, you have to turn over there, Genesis 26, uh, 12 and 13, we always read about Isaac. The Bible says Isaac sold in that land. Remember Isaac uh, was the son of Abraham, and the Bible says there was a great famine, and God told, told Isaac, he said, don't leave this area where you are. Stay right here where you are. I'm going to take care of you. Because now where he, were, where he was was a land of impossibilities. Y'all listening over there on that side? Where he was was a land of impossibilities. There was a famine. Nothing was happening. Nothing was growing. Nothing was producing. He was going to get up and go. God said, no, don't go. I'm going to put something on you that will make your impossibilities possible. Yeah, are you catching this? So you don't have to try to find a city where you can prosper. You just need to find God. 
be somewhere where God can find you because it's not where you go, it's what's on you. I say it like this, it's not where you are, it's what's on you. I'm going to come over here. It's not where you are, it's what's on you. Because you can go to the most fruitful looking place and if there's nothing on you, you're not going to prosper. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Remember Lot? Don't let me forget Isaac. Remember Lot? Lot, when Lot, he was with Abraham and God blessed Lot. Even though God never spoke to Lot, Lot was blessed because he was connected to Abraham. Don't forget that. And But then Lot, uh, strife rose between their herdsmen. And Abraham said, let there be no strife. He said, look, you look to the left, north, south, east, west, wherever you want to go, wherever you want to go, go there. You can have it, and uh, God be with you and so forth. And Lot, the Bible says, he looked out, he saw the plains over there around Sodom and so forth. And he said, that's the best-looking place. So he chose the best-looking place. What happened to Lot? See, because he went to a place he thought was prosperous, but the prosperity wasn't the place. The prosperity was on him because of his connection to the one who had grace on him. So it's not where you are, it's what's on you. Tell your neighbor, it's not where you are, it's what's on you. Isaac was in a place full of impossibilities in Genesis 26. But because something was on him, the Bible says he sold in that land and reaped in the same year what? A hundredfold. Then it says, and the Lord blessed him. So notice when the Lord blessed him, now something is released on his life called grace. And then verse 13 says, thus the man began to prosper and he continued prospering until he became very prosperous. Because in a place where there was no possibilities. The Bible even says he goes on and the people, they can't find water anywhere. And every time he struck, boom, they, they found water. Every time they dug, they found water. Why? Because something was on his life that wasn't on anybody else's life. So it's not where you are, it's what's on you. Somebody better get a hold of that. So, so God blessed Isaac, and what that blessing did, it released grace that moved Isaac beyond the natural level, beyond natural abilities. No one else could get water. No one else could get a harvest. No one else could prosper, but God was with him, and the grace of God was on his life. And when the grace of God is operating on your life, it'll take you and me beyond our natural abilities. Hallelujah. But you got to see that. You have to know that. In the 13th chapter of Numbers, we see a story where, where the children of Israel, they were on the brink of the promised land. And God told Moses, he says, go. He said, I want you to send 12 spies out to go spy the land. Go, go and see the land I have given you. Go and see the land I have given you. Go and see the land I have given you. Not go see the land I'm thinking about giving you. Go see the land I have given you. Twelve spies went out, one from each tribe, and ten of them came back. They all came back with the same equal report at the beginning. Oh, the land is good, flowing with milk and honey, and it's got all this good stuff in it. It's wonderful. But ten of them had doubt and unbelief and said, man, this is full of giants. But Caleb jumped up and said, wait a minute. He said in, in, uh, in Numbers, I think, 13, verse 30, he says, we are well able. 
He says, let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able. Now, what did he understand that they didn't understand? That they were in covenant, the blessing was on him, and if if the blessing was on them, then there was a grace release that would push their ability beyond their natural ability. So even though they were facing giants, it didn't matter that giants were in front of them, and the giants had all kind of natural ability. The giants didn't have grace. And because the people of God had grace, it superseded, it would, it would override the ability of the giants. It doesn't matter how big your enemy is. It's, somebody said it's not, it's not the size of the dog in the fight. It's the size of the fight in the dog. That's why David wasn't afraid to face Goliath. When nobody else thought David could do anything, David didn't back down because David wasn't scared of a big old ugly giant. He knew he had something on him. That was bigger, badder, if you allow, than what the enemy had on his life. Are y'all with me on this here? All right, now, so in Numbers, again, Caleb says, let's go up at once and take possession. Take possession. Everybody say, take possession. For we are well able to overcome it. Now, at this time, in fact, I want you to turn over here. I want you to see a scripture in Joshua chapter 14. Joshua 14, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua. Joshua 14, and um, Caleb recognized something was on him. Everybody say, take possession. See, I want you, remember, I'm, gonna, I'm getting ready to lead us into here by next week or so, whenever God get, lets us get there, about you stepping into your identity, your purpose, your assignment, your destiny. You possessing what God has for you. He said, let us go up at once and possess. Take, take possession for we are well able. You can't take possession if you don't know you're able. And you will not understand your ability if you don't understand grace being on your life. Because any possession that God has for you is bigger than, than that which you're able to get on your own. I'm going to slow that down. Deacon, say it one more time. Any possession God has for you is bigger than your ability to possess on your own. I'm going to come over here. I heard something over here. Any possession God has for you is bigger than something you can possess on your own. So to get what God has for you, you need something on you that gives you an ability beyond your natural ability. So Caleb knew that if, that if God said, I have given you the land, then no matter how big the enemy was, no matter how opposing they were, there must be something that he's putting on us that's going to let us be, uh, be more able than they are. Oh, they're big and strong and have big heads, but there's something on us that's going to make us more able than they are. He said we are well able to overcome it. Now that grace is on his life and that because he knows that it carries him for 45 years. Because as you know, the, he, he and Joshua were the ones that said, yeah, let's do it. But the other 10 said we can't do it and the crowd went with the majority. That's why you got to be careful about going with the majority. 
You can't go with everybody, what everybody says in your town, everybody says in your neighborhood. No, you got to go with what God says. God says, I have given you the land. God says, I'm taking you there. God says, it's yours. Don't go with the ones that say, well, we ain't never done nothing like that. We ain't never had any. Ain't nobody in our family ever been in the world. And no, no get, get away from that mess. Shut that down and go with whatever God said. So watch this. In, in Joshua uh, 14, look down at uh, verse 6. Verse 6. And I'm going to go through verse 12. Look at what it says here. It says, then the children of Israel, children of Judah rather, came to Joshua in Gilgal, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh the Kenizzite, said to him, watch this, you know the word which the Lord said to Moses, the man of God, concerning you and me in Kadesh Barnea. That's, that's what we read in Numbers 13. He says, I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land. And I brought back word to him as it was in my heart. As it was in my heart. Nevertheless, my brethren who went up with me made the heart of the people melt. But I wholly followed the Lord my God. So Moses swore on that day saying, Surely the land where your foot has trodden shall be your inheritance and your children's forever, because you have wholly followed the Lord my God. Verse 10, and now behold, the Lord has kept me alive as he said, what? These 45 years. He's been walking on this word. 45 years. He stayed in faith 45 years. Now, do you remember what we read in Romans 5? How do you access grace? By faith. He's walked in and stayed in faith 45 years. So now the same grace that he knew was on him 45 years ago, because he stayed in faith 45 years, He's able to tap into that same grace 45 years later. How do I know? He says he's kept me 45 years ever since the Lord spoke this word to Moses while Israel wandered in the wilderness. And now here I am this day. How old? How old? And you think you're getting too old. He said 85 years old. I've been walking on a promise 45 years. I've been standing on a word 45 years. I have kept the faith 45 years. And the same grace that was available to me 45 years ago is available to, to me right now. And even though some of my friends got lost, some of my family got left behind, I'm still here. I stayed in faith. I stayed in faith. And it might seem like we're behind time, but no, 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 no. God's right on time. 45 years later, here I am in faith, accessing grace. And watch what he says in verse 11. And as yet, I am as strong.
is what happens when you stay in faith and access grace. He said, as yet I am as strong this day as on the day that Moses sent me. Just as my strength was then, so now is my strength for war. Both for going out and for, I ain't just going to go out, I'm going to come back in too. Because the same grace that was available 45 years ago, and I know we would have whooped the enemy tail, but they was all scared. I wasn't scared then, and I'm not scared now. I wasn't weak then, and I'm not weak now. I have faith then, and I have faith now. I can access grace then, and I'm going to access grace right now. So give me my mountain. That's what he says. That's what he says, verse 12. Now, therefore... Give me this mountain of which the Lord spoke in that day. Watch what he says. This, this, this is a bad man, deep. God, when I'm 85 years old, I'm going to be just like talking just like this. For you heard in that day how the Anakim, that's the giants, were there, and that the cities were great and fortified. It may be that the Lord will be with me, and I shall be able at 85. To drive them out as the Lord said. And Joshua blessed him and gave Hebron to Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, as an inheritance. When he blessed him, he released the blessing. What does the blessing release? Grace. When he blessed him, he released grace. An ability beyond his own ability. Now, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know if they had Geritol back in that day. I don't know if they had Ginkgo Kaloba back in that day. I don't know what they had back in that day, but he, 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 didn't, he didn't ask for any of that. He didn't ask for, he didn't need memory care. He didn't, he didn't, he, he didn't, he, <laughs> he didn't need geriatric treatment. Grace was on him. He knew that if grace was on him, he could do what a 40-year-old man could do. Why don't you tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, you're not getting old. You're getting better. You're getting better. I'm not getting old. I'm getting stronger. So grace, everybody say grace, everybody say grace, 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 grace. Now, you'll never possess what God promised you without grace. And if you have a big promise, the bigger the promise, the more grace you need. Remember I talked about Ephesians 4, 7 last week about how um, God has given every man uh, grace according to the measure of Christ's gift. And then we talked about how you can get more grace. And you can have abundant grace and you can uh, multiply in grace and so on and so forth, an abundance of grace. In, in 2 Peter chapter 1, because we, we quoted this scripture, I think, 2 Peter 1 verse, verse 2, where Peter says, grace and peace be what? Multiplied. multiplied. So we can have grace multiplied. 
Now, remember, I told you what I'm telling you. The bigger the possession of the promise, the more grace you need. Because the higher you're going, the farther you're going, the more the enemy rises up against you. He don't want you to possess big territory. He don't want, because he knows the more territory you have, the more people you have influence over. And he doesn't want to give up his influence in people's lives. He certainly doesn't want you to have it. Because you're a child of God. And if you have influence, you're going to influence people the right way. And so when there's a big promise, you need more grace. So he says here, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. Verse 3, as his divine power has given to us. Now this is grace multiplied as his divine power has given to us what? All things, come on. Through the knowledge of him who called us by what? Verse 4, verse 4, he's not done. Grace and peace is multiplied to us. By which have been given to us, what's been given to us? Now, if it was just precious promises, that would be nice. If it was just great and precious promises, it would be nice. But the Bible says that he's given us exceedingly great and precious promises. That means God has something for you and me so big, right now we cannot even, even fathom what it is. Eyes have not seen, ears have not heard. It has not entered the heart of men of things that God has prepared for those who love him. But he has revealed them to us through his spirit. So we don't have the spirit of his world, we have the spirit of Christ. So that we can, we can know the things that have been freely given to us by God. So in our spirit gets a hint, our spirit gets a clue, our spirit knows, but our spirit also knows that we need something bigger than us to obtain what God has promised us. Now, how many of y'all have some big promises and you know it? I mean, I, I'm not talking about just you just thinking, oh, Lord, I sure wish. I mean, no, you know God has told you, he's spoken, he's shown you a vision or a dream, he's given you an idea of it. I'm telling you, you need grace multiplied to you. Because, thank you, Lord, that's easy, that's easy to understand. That big dream, if you had the ability to have it, you would already have it. Boy, I could, I could close the book. We can go home right there. We could go home right there. That big dream. How many of y'all said you had big dream, big vision, some God showed you, some big ministry, some big thing God wants you to do? If you could have already done it, you would have already done it. I mean, you're not intentionally waiting, are you? Not intentionally putting it off, are you? You, you want to do, I mean, really, really, the, most of us, the moment God showed us, we thought, okay, tomorrow. I'm going to build this thing tomorrow. But the reality of it is, he showed you something beyond your ability. Because if it was in, in your ability, what we say in the sports world, if it was in your wheelhouse, if it was something that's already in, in, your, in your ability, you wouldn't need faith and you wouldn't need grace, and you wouldn't give God the glory. Yes. 
If it was already something you could do, you wouldn't need faith, you wouldn't need grace, and you wouldn't give God the glory. So he never shows you something you can do. He always gives you something you can't do. So that when you access grace, he gets the glory. Exceedingly great and precious promises. Whereby you are partakers of God's divine nature. You take on his nature because of these great and precious promises. Are y'all getting this here tonight? So grace will take us beyond natural ability. Grace is the active ingredient in the blessing. Okay? Now, I've, I've shared this with you the last couple of messages on this topic here. Three components of grace. Tonight I'm dealing with the first one. I've talked about divine ability. You remember that? Divine what? Wisdom and divine energy. Awe. Awe. His grace is awesome. Awesome is a synonym for amazing. So we say amazing grace is awesome grace. What makes his grace awesome is because what is released to us comes from heaven. So we're not talking about you having just an increase in your natural ability. Or you being smarter by study. Or you having more energy because of vitamins and supplements. We're talking about God giving you an ability that you cannot get from this earth. Giving you wisdom that you cannot get from man. Giving you an energy that is a force that comes not through your physical body, but through your spirit to your physical body. We'll get there. We'll get there. Tonight we're dealing with the aspect of ability. God's ability. Okay? Remember we looked at Romans 5. Romans 5, 1 through 3, we talked about how we access, uh, by faith we access his grace. And we said we do three things. Right? Grace enables us to do three things. Grace enables us to stand in place. What else? Rejoice in hope. And what else? Were y'all here last week? Stand in place, rejoice in hope, and glory in tribulations. Okay? You can't stand and you can't rejoice in hope and you can't glory in, in your own ability. You can't do that in your own ability. Okay? Remember, the whole thing he's talking about in Romans 5 is you dealing with tribulation. It's, it's the devil coming against you. And you, you in and of yourself are not powerful enough to stand against the enemy. If, if it was just you by yourself, he'd have whooped you a long time ago. But Pastor, I don't know anything about this grace. You, somehow you were accessing it already when you were saying, Lord, help me. When you were saying, Lord, I don't know what to do, but my eyes are upon you, you were accessing his grace. You were reaching out by faith, making your praise a weapon, and standing, you were accessing grace. But now, now as I teach you how to access it, teach you what it's all about, you'll learn how to do it intentionally. So now you're not just accessing grace to survive. 
See, at some point you shift over from survival mode to actual thriving mode. From just, you know, coming out of the deficit, just trying to keep my nose above water, to now living way above soaring over the world. And you will, you will just, Lord, just have mercy on me just to survive. But now you're going to, when you learn what God has for you and how to operate in it, you step into it intentionally to now rise up. To now rise to a new level intentionally. Are y'all getting this tonight? All right? So we stand in place. We rejoice in hope. And we also glory in tribulations, okay? Now, remember we said we access all this by faith. By faith is simply we believe God and act on what we believe. Okay? We believe God and act on what we believe. If, we, if God said it, we can step into the grace. Listen to what I'm saying to you. If God said it, step into the grace. Now, remember I asked you about God showing you a vision or a dream, some great promise. If God said it, now, let me just throw this out here. Faith is not you coming up with an idea. I got to make that clear to everybody. I got to make that clear to everybody. People say, I'm, I'm going to go out here by faith. Wait, now, faith is not you stepping out with it just in your idea. Faith begins where the will of God is known. You have to know what God said. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Right? That's uh, Matthew 4, 4, I think it is. And, Ma- and De- Deuteronomy 8, 4, where he gets it from. So we, we, we get this from the mouth of God. Right? So once I get a word from God, now remember that word is going to be beyond my ability. So to, to now walk in that word, I must step into a grace. So when I get the word, if I'm in, actually in faith, I don't delay on it. I step into it. The longer I delay, the more hesitant I am, the more I'll reason my way out of it. And that grace that was available, it's, it's there, but I never step into it. And so it'll get more and more aloof, more and more far off from me. Rather than being 85 and saying, I'm going to take this mountain, you be 85 saying, that's, that's too late. I'm telling you. I'm telling you, people let things slip because it was what God said was bigger than us. And the allow this bigness frightened us. The, the, the bigness gave us pause, P-A-U-S-E. And because the bigness gave us pause, we didn't step into it. And we, we gave time for reason to come in. But I, I want to remind you and let you know that the grace is still available. The promise is still available. The vision is yet for an appointed time. And you can go ahead and step into the grace of God to actually access what God has already said is yours. I mean, what Caleb did was proof of it. Four to five years. That mountain didn't go anywhere. 
It was still there waiting for him. Oh, y'all better get a hold of that. What God said for you is still waiting on you. What God promised you is still waiting on you. It was yours before the foundation of the world. It was reserved in heaven for you. Thank you, Lord. All right, now. Now, I told you this. I want to just make this clear. God's best for you is never something you can already do. Okay? I want you to hear that. God's best for you is never something you can already do. But until you do what you can do, you never step into the grace to do what you can't do. I'll say it again. What God, God's best for you is never something you can already do. But until you do what you can do, you'll never step into the grace to do what you can't do. In other words, I'll repeat it. Okay, I'll repeat it again. God, I, probably, I should have given this to the media team. God's best for you is never something you can already do. I said his best. It's never something you can already do. But until you do what you can do, you'll never step into the grace to do what you can't do. In other words, let me try to, try to summarize this for you. God put something out there big, and he wants you to step into grace to attain it, to achieve it, to, up, to, 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 to arrive there. But you have to begin to step out. You, you, there's something that you can do. You, you, you can show up. Remember, remember we talked about, um, um, well, I, I referenced this is 2 Chronicles 20, when Jehoshaphat, the people, they were faced with this great army against them, and they said, we have no might against this great company, neither do we know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. We have no might against this great company. There was a, a war, a, a battle, a raging, a great army, and they said, we have no might. We don't have any ability against this great company, neither do we know what to do. So they didn't have ability or wisdom. We don't have any might, any ability against this great company. Neither do we know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. What a prophet said to them, came back with a word, you shall not need to fight in this battle. Well, praise God. Good, because we don't have any might against this great company. You shall not need to fight in this battle. The battle is not yours. It is, it is the Lord's. Praise God, because we don't have any might. But you must go out against them. Y'all didn't like that part. No, you don't need to fight, but you must go out against them. See, in other, in, other words, in other words, you will never step into the grace to do what you can't do until you do what you can do. So once they, by faith, did what they could do, which is go out, then God did for them what they couldn't do, which is win the victory. You got it? So we're talking about living beyond your ability. So living beyond your ability. Okay? Now go to 2 Corinthians 8. 2 Corinthians 8. Hallelujah. We're not doing well on time. 
already cut my notes short. Let's see if I can cut the message short. Second Corinthians eight. This is Paul to the Corinthian church, and he makes a reference to them. He's teaching them about giving in chapters 8 and 9. And he makes a reference to the, the church at Macedonia. Say Macedonia. Macedonia. He says, moreover, brethren, we make known to you the grace of God bestowed on. So notice grace is bestowed on, placed on, given to the churches of Macedonia. So notice that something came on them. And he says that, verse 2, in a great trial of affliction, they're going through it. A great trial of affliction. They're being afflicted. They're being persecuted. They're, being, they're under some sort of, of, of um, uh, heaviness, some sort of oppression whether it's by um, uh, political weight or whether it's by some kind of economic embargo, whether there's some kind of famine in the land, whatever it is, we don't know what it is, but it's a great trial of affliction that the Bible says uh, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty. So the affliction was causing deep poverty. No, y'all don't get it. Deep poverty. This is not you, you know, behind on the light bill. This is not you trying to figure out how I can get a two-day advance on my check. <laughs> this is deep poverty, abject poverty. There ain't no check coming. Deep poverty. They're in a great trial of affliction. And yet the Bible says that there's an abundance of joy. Now, you know how you look when you're going through a great trial. You know how you look when there's slight poverty. Uh, I mean, when you you behind on, on your Netflix bill, you be, oh, I can't, I, I gotta, I gotta, I can't pay my Netflix this month, and you just, you all just weeping, oh God, I can't pay my Netflix, Lord, I know what's wrong. That's that's not deep poverty. And and Paul says they are sitting here with an abundance of joy. I want you to see you now. Remember now, remember we talked about how by grace, in, by grace you stand, rejoice in hope, you glory in tribulations. I better come back over here. Remember how we read last week about how by grace you stand, you rejoice in hope, and you glory in tribulations? They're doing that. They're doing what Paul's talking about. Great trouble affliction, deep poverty, and yet they got an abundance of joy. Ha, 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 ha. Agali, <laughs> uh oh I got to get Pastor Elizabeth down here to dance for y'all. They're happy. They're full of joy. Something is on them 
That makes no sense. Well, the Bible tells us right there in the text. He said there was a grace that was bestowed on them. Some force, some ability was on them that even though they're in a great trial, even though they're in deep poverty, they're standing and rejoicing and glorying. The same thing that was in Romans 5 is what we're seeing right here in 2 Corinthians 8. Same thing. It's grace. Did we not see grace in Romans 5? Did we see grace right here? It's grace bestowed on them. But not only does this grace allow them to stand and rejoice and glory, but look at what it says. It says, for I bear witness. Matter of fact, let me back up. It said that deep, their deep poverty through all that, this abounded in the riches of the liberality. Now that they, they're deep poverty and yet there's a rich liberality. Now you know your, your neighbor sitting next to you. Not you, but your neighbor sitting next to you. You know the, mo- the moment things get a little tight, they're going to squeeze every quarter Who's on, who's on the quarter? Washington? Washington on the quarter? George Washington on the quarter? You're going to rub the nose right off George Washington. I mean, you're squeezing that quarter so tight you're making his nose bleed. That's Washington on the dollar, right? Squeezing that dollar so tight you're making his nose bleed. Coming out with ink all on your fingers, squeezing the dollar so tight. Liberality, no, 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 no. But something's on this Macedonian church. Oh, man, I got to quit. This, that, that makes them not only joyful, but liberal. And it's the grace of God. Brethren, we make known to you the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. Something was on them called grace. Hallelujah. And what happened, if y'all give me just a few more minutes. They positioned themselves to receive grace, the ability beyond their own ability, to give beyond their ability in the middle of great trial and deep poverty. Because when you tap into grace, you draw on God's supply. When you tap into grace, you draw on God's supply. Now, there, there are some, uh, uh, car, I don't know about cars, but I know there are some trucks, and there's definitely some uh, rigs, them 18-wheeler rigs, that have more than one tank. Am I right about that? More than one gas tank. And so when they're running out on one gas tank, it can switch over to another tank. There are some cars today that, that they call hybrid cars. Hybrid cars. And a hybrid vehicle is one of those that it'll run on fuel, gas, and it'll run on electricity. 
So mainly it'll run on electricity as a normal thing, but if you push the gas a little, a little too hard, you know, you hit, you hit the right moment, it'll, it'll switch over and pull gas because the, the electric won't give the power that you're looking for. You, can't, you missed it. When, when you, when you want to go, my, my, my son's baseball coach uh, has, has, he just got a brand new uh, hybrid vehicle. And he, he explained to me how it works. And the people who look at the car, they told us how it works. They said, they said when you, you're driving normal, your normal pace, it'll run off the battery. It'll run off the, the electric. But when you want to real, really push it, the car automatically switches over because it knows the battery is not going to give you the juice you need. There are times if you're just going to cruise along in life, you don't need that extra juice. But when you're going to pursue the things of God and receive what God said and do the will of God and manifest his kingdom and you're going to push the gas, you're going to push the pedal, it's got to draw something that's not normal. It's going to kick into another gear. And that gear that kick you kick into is called grace, the grace of God that's available to you. Did y'all get that? You got it? So you tap into another supply. Now, I'm going to go through this real quick, real quick, real quick, if I can. Mmm. Okay, I want to show you three things real quick. How do they position themselves to receive this grace, to give beyond their ability? Okay, look at verse 5. Verse 5 says, because i got to go in the order that, that Paul, the Holy Spirit lays it out. He says, verse, let me go to verse 3. For I bear witness that according to their ability, yes, beyond their ability, they were freely willing, imploring us with much urgency that we should receive the gift and the fellowship of the ministry to the saints. Verse 5. And not only as we had hoped, but they first. So they first gave themselves to the Lord. So the first thing you got to do is give yourself to the Lord. I know that ain't deep, but it's, it's right. It's, it's the Bible. They gave themselves to the Lord. Why? Because grace comes on me to serve God. Y'all missed it. Grace comes on me to glorify God. Now I know you believe in God for the house and the car and for the business and for the, for the mansion, but the grace comes on you to serve God. Now if you're going to keep asking God for these things amiss, ain't no grace going to come on you. That you may heap it on your own lust, there's no grace to come on you. But if you're going to glorify God in everything you do, if you're going to glorify God in everything that he gives you, then he'll give you grace to receive what he has for you. So they first gave themselves to the Lord. They first devoted their lives to God. Remember, we've been talking about discipleship on Sundays. See, you got, you got to first make sure you give your life to God. Because you got to glorify God, not the world. This is not for you to glorify the world. God's not going to grace you with, with the ability to sing the roof off and you're going to take it out in the world. And it's not for you to glorify yourself. Okay? 
When I say you, I'm talking about me too. This is all of us, all right? If God doesn't get my all, then I get no special place, no special grace. Listen to me again. If God doesn't get my all, then I get no special grace. Now remember, he's given every one of us grace according to the measure of Christ, Ephesians 4, 7. He's given all of us grace. But I'm talking about now special grace or an increased grace or particular grace for something to, for something to, have in our, to happen in our lives. We get no special grace if we don't give God everything. Because God pours, but he won't waste. God pours, but he won't waste. He'll pour out grace, but he won't waste it. He won't waste it on somebody who's not going to glorify him with it. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Uh, let, me, let me read uh, a scripture, Romans 12, 6 through 8. Put it on screen real quick. I'm, let me speed read through this. Romans 12, 6 through 8. says, having then gifts differing according to the grace. Y'all just follow on the screen. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. So if God's going to give you a gift by his grace, it's for you to use it. Let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith or ministry. Let us use it in our ministering, using grace. He who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts in exhortation, keep going. He who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. So if God gives you a gift by grace, it's for you to use it. Give me 1 Peter, 1 Peter 4, 10 and 11 real quick. 1 Peter 4, 10 and 11. I just want you to see this here. Thank you, Lord. Boy, boy, boy. As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another. See, it's not for you. It's for you to use for somebody else. As good stewards of the manifold, you are a steward of the manifold or multifaceted grace of God. If anyone speaks, let him speak as, the, speak as the oracles of God. If anyone ministers, let him do it as with the ability which God supplies, so on and so forth. Hallelujah. All right, go back to Romans, to 2 Corinthians 8. Casual Christians can function without grace. Did you hear what I said? Casual Christians can function without grace, but never beyond their own ability. But never beyond their own ability. I don't want anybody here to be a casual Christian. I want you to be a committed Christian, a devoted Christian. You can function without grace. Without grace, you can, you can go to work and you can go and you can learn and you can do the things in school and you can do all that kind of good stuff, but you never get any, anything from God that puts you over the top. Hallelujah. So you got to come up with your own natural ideas. All right. So number one, I told you they gave themselves to the Lord. Number two, it's back in Romans 8 verse, I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians 8 verse 5. It says, they gave themselves to the Lord and then, then, are y'all back there? And then, and then to us who? Oh, the apostles, Paul and those guys. What do you mean? So they gave themselves to the Lord and to us. Now, I expect to get quiet right around there. Because second thing, not only must you give yourself to the Lord, you must give yourself to God's men, to God's leaders. 
Uh-uh. Uh-huh. See, I knew it get quiet in this Presbyterian church right there. Because, well, I know, no, I don't, I, don't, I don't know if that's, that's right. Notice what Paul said. This is why the grace came on them. First, they gave themselves to the Lord. Then, they gave themselves to us. This is very important. Very important. Listen to this. The mantles, the anointings, the visions, and the, minute, the missions you connect to determine the graces that God releases on your life. I'll say it again. The mantles, the anointings, the visions, and missions you connect to determine the graces that God releases on your life. I'll say it again because it's worth repeating. The mantles, the anointings, the visions, and missions missions you connect to determine the graces. Notice I said graces. That God releases on your life. You have grace. I'm talking about now graces that God releases on your life. There are particular graces, anointings that God will place on your life. And that's determined by who you connect to. See, if you, if you think that what church I go to doesn't matter, then you are missing it. If you think who my pastor is doesn't matter, then you are missing it. If you think what things I support doesn't matter, then you are missing it. Because God connected the body as he saw fit. He doesn't happenstance throw somebody. God didn't just throw stuff against the wall and just see where it lands. It matters who and what you are connected to. Because watch this. The grace you connect to determines the graces that come on your life. I'm going to clap for it because it's right. It's right. That's, that's right, Pastor. That's right. That's right, Pastor. That's right. That's right. There's a reason why Elisha got a double portion of Elijah's spirit. Because he was probably connected to Elijah. That's why when Elijah's mantle fell, all the other 50 prophets, they didn't get it. The mantle of Elijah fell on Elisha because Elisha is the one that washed Elijah's hands. When, when King Ahab and Jehoshaphat, another king, they were getting ready to go out to war, and the Bible says that they ran out of water for themselves and for all their, all their, their livestock. And the Bible says, hey, we got to find somebody. There's got to be a prophet right here somewhere. And somebody said, hey, well, there's this one guy named Elisha, and he, he's the one that, that washed uh, Elijah's hands. And they said, the word of the Lord is with him. They knew who Elisha had been connected to, and because Elisha had been connected to a, a particular mantle and anointing, then what was on that one came on him. And do you not know that Elisha did twice as many miracles as Elijah because he was properly connected? You're supposed to outdo those you connect to. You're supposed to outdo those you're connected to. 
not underdo. If you're underdoing, you ain't even connected right. Go, go, to, go to Philippians. I'm, I'm going to show you something. 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 I'm on, I'm on, I'm on, I'm on overtime, but I, I, I believe this will bless you. I believe this will bless you. You, you got to be connected, ladies and gentlemen. Don't Listen, Elder Baker, remember we, we were talking about that? You said that Sunday. You know, you can, you, you, can, you can plug into an outlet, but if that outlet ain't connected to anything, you connect it, but you ain't got no, you, you have no power because what you're connected to has nothing. Well, I'm t- <laughs> you, be, you better recognize, man. So, so why, okay, watch this, watch this, watch this, watch this. The, remember in 2 Corinthians 8, he's, Paul is talking to the Corinthian church about the Macedonians. The Macedonians, the churches of Macedonia, they're, they're based in an area called Philippi. So the Macedonians, they are the Philippian church. So we're going to read from Philippians. And look at what Paul says in Philippians chapter 1, verse 3 through 7. I got to prove my point for all of folk who think what don't really matter. He says, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. Always in every prayer of mine, make a request for you all with joy. For your what? That word fellowship is the Greek word koinonia, which literally means partnership. For your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Verse 6, being confident of this very thing, that he who has what? Shall do what? Now we're going to find out why Paul, well, we, actually we know why Paul is, is so confident. It's because they're in partnership. They're properly connected. Y'all quiet. He says, verse 7, just as it is right for me to think this of you all, because why? I have you in my heart in as much as both in my chains and in the defense, confirmation of the gospel, you all are, you are what? With me of grace. Let me see your Bible. Hallelujah. The King James, verse 7, says, Ye all are partakers of my grace. See, it matters who you connect to. They first gave themselves to the Lord, and then they gave themselves to us. Now, as long as I got King Jesus, that ain't the way God designed it. He gives you men or pastors after his own heart. Ephesians 4 talks about how he himself gave some to be apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and and teachers. For you to connect to. For you to sit under, for you to receive. So if you sit under... An apostle, 
Man, I, I'm closing my Bible. Y'all make me go. Y'all acting up. Y'all acting up on me. If you sit on an apostle, then an apostolic grace is supposed to be flowing on your life. You mean I'm going to be an apostle? No, you may not necessarily become an apostle, but an apostolic grace, a grace to go out, a grace to establish, a grace to put things in order is on your life. So you ought at least be an apostle at your job. You ought to at least be an apostle in your neighborhood. Doggone it, you ought to at least be an apostle in your family reunion. Because if you're attached to that kind of grace, that grace is released on your life. You're not called to be the underling, not in this ministry. You're called to set things in order wherever you go. But I can't find three people who will even get this. You're called to set things in order wherever you go because there's an apostolic grace on my life. I'm an apostle. God, I didn't make myself an apostle. I didn't even want to be, I didn't even know what an apostle was. God made me an apostle. And if you're going to bother getting dressed and coming here on Sunday and Wednesday, at least really connect and let that grace come on your life so you can go back to where you came from and establish things in order. The devil has no right to be running your house if you're in this ministry. The devil has no right to be running your, your neighborhood if you're in this ministry. He has no right to be running your job, your business, your career if you're in this ministry. Because that's the kind of grace. I didn't call myself a prophet. God called me as a prophet. So you ought to be walking in a prophetic ocean. That means you ought to everywhere you go be able to declare and decree some things. I declare and decree wherever I go, everything turns around. I declare and decree right now that angels are coming there working on your back. I declare. And I, I mean, this is what you can do if you're really part of this ministry. But you, can I tell you what Paul said to the Corinthian church? He said, he said, he said, he said to the Corinthian church, not the Macedonian church, the Corinthian church. He said, here's the problem. He said, I've opened myself to you. But you've not opened yourself to me. And that's many folk problems sitting right here in this church is I'm open. Pastor Kim, we're open to you, but you're not open to us. No, 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 no. No, I'm guarded because I'm scared of church hurt. Ain't nobody trying to hurt you. What you hurt you? We're here to help you. We're here to protect you. We're here to guard you. We're here to instruct you. We're here to challenge you. We're here to raise you. We're here to sharpen you. We're here to be helpers of your joy. Okay, number 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 three. Oh, go, are y'all back in Philippians? This is what I'm, I'm about to talk about that. See, because see, God puts you under a financial deliverer. That's why he made me your example. 
That's why he snatched us out of debt. We can't explain how he did it. He snatched us out of debt. Took us from nothing to something. So that same grace is on you. That's what he says in Philippians 4. In Philippians 4, verse, verse 15. Philippians 4, verse 15. Philippians 4, verse 15. Philippians 4, verse 15. <laughs> he says, now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, that's the same thing he said in chapter 1, when I departed from Macedonia, from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving, but you only, remember I told you these are his partners. I don't know about that partnership stuff. That seems like a game. Okay, thank you it's a game. He says, verse 16, for even in Thessalonica, you sent aid once and again for my necessities. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. Indeed, I have all and abound. I am full. I'm okay. I'm not trying to get money from you. I'm trying to get money to you. Have I received from Epaphroditus the thing sent from you, a sweet-smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. Verse 19, and my God, not, not God, my God, not God, my God, not your God, my God. Well, what, wasn't he also their God? Yes, he's also their God, but they're connected through him. Oh, Lord, oh, Lord, we got to go through a man. No, we're not talking about you going to God through a man. We're talking about the way God set his system up. Because, because no matter how you're connected, the grace still flows down. The oil still flows down. He don't pour the oil out. He pours it down. And he said, and my God shall supply all your need. See, his needs are already full. He said, so your needs are going to be full. He said, the prosperity of grace is on him, so the prosperity of grace is going to be on you. you, you yeah, you, you, can't, you can't be. All right, let me close out here because I'm already way past time. What it said back here in 2 Corinthians 8. They gave themselves to the Lord. They gave themselves to God's men. And number three is back in verse three. For I bear witness that according to their ability, yes, beyond their ability, they were freely willing. So third and last thing, they had a willing heart. They had a willing heart. You must have a willing heart. You must be connected to God properly. Connected to God's leadership, mantles, anointings, visions, missions you connect to. But you must have a willing heart. Because here's, here's what happens. Whatever you're willing to do for God, he'll enable you to do it. You got to catch that. Whatever you're willing to do for God, he will enable you to do it. Notice what I said. Whatever you're willing which implies the ability may not be there. But if the willingness is there, he'll make you able where you're willing. Listen, y'all got to catch it. You got to kiss this. Because it's harder for God to make you willing where you're able. 
Oh, let me help you. Uh, Jonah was able to go preach in Nineveh, but he wasn't willing. And God had to orchestrate all kind of mess, all kind of trial, all kind of stuff to get him to finally say, okay, I'll, I'll do it, I'll do it, I'll do it, I'll do it. But it's a whole lot easier that if you're willing, he can make you able. So if I'm willing to serve God, if I'm willing to do something for God, if I'm willing to work in God's kingdom, if I'm willing to do something great for him, then he will make me able. Philippians 2.13 says this, God works in you both to will and to do. So he works in you first for the will. So he's working in you, okay, trying to talk you into it, you know. But once you, once you become willing, now he'll make it where you can do it. The doing is his grace. And I'll say this and we'll quit. God is able. Remember, this ability comes from God. And whatever, whatever you are willing to do, he will make you able because he's able. And when he makes you able, you'll be more than able to do what you were not able to do before he made you able to do it. Yes. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Ephesians 3.20 says, now unto him who is able. To do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. Now, I know a lot of times we, we, we think about just asking and thinking for ourselves. But if we start asking and thinking about God's kingdom, seeking first his kingdom. See, if we make that our priority, then an ability, a grace comes on us to make us able. Notice he's able to do exceedingly. Abundantly above all we ask or think. 2 Corinthians 9.8, we know that scripture, don't we? But God is able to make all grace abound towards you so that you will always have all sufficiency for all things and abound to every good work. So whatever the thing is that God is trying to get done on the earth, he's trying to find somebody who's willing how many of y'all know God has big plans on the earth? He's trying to find somebody who's willing. Even if they don't know how. Even if they don't have the ability. Even if they don't have the energy. If you have the willingness, he'll give you the grace to do it. Matter of fact, he'll give you more than enough grace to do it. So he can get the job done. One last scripture and we'll go home. 1 Corinthians 15, 9 and 10. 1 Corinthians 15, 9 and 10. Because it's not about what you're able to do now. It's about your willingness. 1 Corinthians 15, 9 and 10. Notice what Paul says. He says, for I am the least of the apostles who am not worthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. Verse 10. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. 
and his grace toward me was not in vain. But I labored, come on, more abundantly. See, the grace allowed him to labor more abundantly than everybody. But then he says, yet not I. It wasn't really me working more than everybody else. It was really the grace of God which was with me. I was willing. And because I was willing, he may be able, more than able, and I outworked everybody, but it wasn't really me. It was really the grace of God that was with me. If God can find somebody who's willing, he'll make you able to outrun everybody. And because you know, like Paul, I'm the least of all the apostles. I'm the least in my father's house, Gideon. I'm the last one that you'd ever think that God would call on. The last one in line. Jesse went through all, all his sons, seven sons, and he got to David. Well, I got this runt out there, but he, David was the last one. But when the grace of God came on him, he slew a giant with a toy. He slew, he slew Goliath with a wind-up toy. We'll talk about that one day. We'll talk about sonship. That was the last time David used that toy. Because he grew up. Moved from a toy to a sword. That's, that's big. That's big. I love it. Grace. Grace. Living beyond my ability. Did you learn anything tonight? Come on, stand to your feet. It's late. Come on, get on your feet. Jump real quick. Living beyond my ability. What's required of me? Give myself to the Lord. Give myself to his leaders. To his vision. You know, the Bible says if you be faithful in other man's, God will give you yours. He'll, He'll bless you with yours. So many people miss the, the, the Bible principle of laboring in somebody else's vineyard. Planting in someone else's vision. Partnership, networking, serving. Some of those things are so foreign to the modern day body of Christ. Yet those are the very, that's the very key God gave us for us to tap into a grace that will take us over the top. Amen. Amen. Well, Father, tonight, thank you for the word. Thank you for your people that have received the word. I pray, Father, that we will step into that grace that will enable us to live beyond our natural ability. God, we, we speak even as, as um, Jehoshaphat the king said, we have no might against this great army, this great enemy, this great company that's all around us. Neither do we know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. We know that, Father, all of our help comes from you. And so we look to you tonight as our answer and as our source that, God, by faith we access the grace that you have made available to us 
that there's a power and ability beyond us that will enable us to live far beyond our natural means. It's not by our own power. It's not by our own might, but it is by your spirit that we will do all the things that you give us to do, Father. You said those of us who know you are God shall be strong and do great exploits. And we pray, Father, that God, we will be strengthened with might by your spirit in our inner man, that we'll be strong in you and in the power of your might, O oh God. But God, we can't do anything in and of ourselves. All of our help comes from you. So tonight, Father, I ask that every person under the sound of my voice, those that are here, those that are tuned in online, those who watch on rebroadcast, Father, that they will, each and every one of us, will make adjustments, that we will all tap into this grace that's available to us, that we will all give ourselves completely to you, give ourselves completely to your leaders, to missions and the visions that you have even in others' lives, that God, that Lord, that even as we do that, we'll have a willing heart to serve you and do your will. And as we do that, Father, you'll bring a grace upon us to get everything done, more grace than we even need. And God, will give you the praise for it and the glory because we know it's not us, it's you. So we thank you for it. We give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. and amen.